It is Thursday, uh, December the 17th. Hope you're enjoying the snow. Uh, welcome to Talking Footy. That's right. I know everyone just loves a good soccer episode, and this one is a fucking doozy. I can see you now sitting there asking yourself, did he just say doozy? Well, you goddamn right I did. I am joined on this episode by my personal soccer guru, Ian Hanwacker. And we get right down to talking footy. It is exhilarating. It's a good conversation, fun conversation. Hopefully you like it. All of that and very little else on episode 55, the Johnny Boychuk episode. Sadly, Jack Mantos just retired because he's got an eye injury so bad that even he is not able to play hockey anymore. The guy was a warrior, big part of the Bruins Cup run in 2011, and he had a wicked slapper. A wicked slapper, said the fat Boston douche. This is Complaints and Observations. The greatest podcast hosted by someone who knows so precious little about eh, almost everything. A journey into the mediocre mind of an exceptionally average person. This is Complaints and Observations with Dave LaPointe. I have a, there's a tingling in my trousers and it's not a good one. Sounds good. Let me put on some chapstick real quick. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their f***ing because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. <laughs> Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? All right. Welcome to the show. I hope you enjoyed uh, the the new intro there. Well, I mentioned before how much I enjoy kind of messing with the audio. And uh, that's coming along nicely, huh? I've laughed 10,000 times at that. The Tom Cruise bit is pretty fucking funny, too. Just the, he goes from yelling at people and saying that, you know, they need to put food on their table to they have to pay for their college educations. I'm sorry, I hit the microphone there. What the fuck's he saying? Pay for their college educations. How about, I don't know, think of something else. Uh, pay the electric bill. Uh, you know, pay their car payment. But this fucking douchebag lives inside such a bubble that he has no clue you know what regular people have to pay for he goes from food to college probably because that's all he pays for <laughs> uh, anyways welcome to the show look um i want to get started on something right away here all right uh who the fuck is jake paul and why am i supposed to care uh, best I can tell from my uh, shitty research, 
is that he made Vine videos and then wound up on YouTube once Vine went under. Uh, and look, is, is this the get off my fucking lawn portion of the show as I'm clearly outside of the Target demo for YouTubers? I guess, but but where did this where did this guy fucking come from? And I think that's probably a question you could say about all these YouTube people. Where the fuck did they come from? You know, they they made videos. They built an audience. Eh, whatever. Fuck you. But look, uh, the kid's clearly fucking loaded. He's doing well. Good for him. God bless America, eh? Right? However, so he's a boxer now? Is that it? Or is he just uh, a douchebag with too much money and too much time in his hands? So now he's going to shit on a sport that's been around since the dawn of time. And, and his thing now is after he beats up Nate Robinson, who was a five-nine point guard. Yeah. I mean, look, it was a brutal knockout. But this kid is much bigger than Nate Robinson, so he probably should have knocked him out brutally. Uh, so now he thinks he's a fucking hardo. Now he thinks he's a tough guy. And he's calling out Connor fucking McGregor. He is trying to mix it up purposely with Connor McGregor. Here's the funny part, right? It's probably going to happen. Because he'll make a ton of fucking money on it. Uh, Connor fights next month. And then, then after that, he's good. Apparently, there's nothing lined up yet. I would imagine it depends on how it goes, but who knows. Uh, Dana White came out and said, I'd like to see Amanda Nunes uh, kick his ass, which she probably would. She would probably fucking destroy the kid, and it would be high comedy. But uh, look, they'll, they'll probably do it, probably make a ton of money. A ton of people will be thrilled to see this kid get absolutely fucking annihilated. And he'll get up, dust himself off, and go on about his life with way too much money and way too much time on his hands. The kid, look, the kid is just a fucking dummy with ghastly facial hair. It's terrible. Nobody, somebody should fucking tell this kid, look, the, the, the bushy, puffy look is dumb. Especially when you're, like, whatever shade of dumb uh, fucking blonde that is. It's just terrible. I weep for the youth of the world who have filled this clown's bank account, but good on Jake for playing the grift well. You've done a, a wonderful job of being stupid and still managing to, managing to make a shit ton of money. A lot of times those two things don't go together. Uh, I am a prime example. I am an idiot and I am broke. That's usually how it goes. Usually, you're not uh, stupid and successful. It doesn't happen. But in today's world, people can turn on a camera, do something stupid, like throw a giant party in the middle of a pandemic, or uh, go into a mall in the middle of a, uh, uh, you know, middle of a riot, film it, and make douchey comments. And make a ton of money. It's a problem with YouTube. You know. It's no, There's no fucking governor. On YouTube. Whatever. That's another conversation. I hope Connor gives you a fucking facelift kid. 
but honestly, that whole bit, I, I, I was reading about this kid. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm so fucking old. I don't know who this fucking guy is. I did some research, and I, I don't get any of it. It's so far over my fucking head, honestly. And I just, I, ugh, what, 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 what am I talking about here? Jesus fucking Christ, that wasn't supposed to be that long. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, what was I going to talk about? God, I don't know. I think we need a, a musical interlude. So bad light in July. That's the rhyme. Footsteps on each stepping stone. Trying to find the one where I went wrong. Writing letters. Address to the fire. And I was catching my breath. Staring out an open window. Catching the All right. Jesus. So there's a reason for that. <sighs> the uh, the podcast host, the hosting company, Anchor. I'll name them Anchor. They they add this little thing in here where you can add music to your podcast. Oh, okay, that's that's terrific. So uh, in order to do so, you have to remove the ads that play. Uh, and, and theoretically earn you money. Now, as if you listen to my last episode, I earned 15 whole dollars over the course of uh, six plus months of podcasting, which, you know, whatever. I'm not, I didn't do it to make money, but whatever. 15 bucks. All right. That's fine. Cashed out. Uh, but so I'm like, oh, cool. I'll put some music in here. You know, if that's that's been something that's mentioned before. I should add music. Great. So I, I turn off the ads and I, I click on the sure yeah I'd love I'd love to have music. Well, when you add music to it, it's it's via Spotify, and you only get thirty seconds. Okay, you get thirty seconds of music, no matter what the song. So that right there, I, I think there's an issue. My assumption is that uh, after thirty seconds, they have to compensate the artist. So that's probably why they cut it off at 30 seconds so that they don't have to. The other thing is, too, when you do that, you can only fucking upload your podcast to Spotify. What a fucking shady-ass bullshit thing to do. Now, look, uh, if Anchor is under the Spotify umbrella, okay, well, whatever. Then that probably makes some sense. Um, but I don't know that for sure. I haven't really checked, to be perfectly honest, because that thought just popped into my brain. And so, uh, the previous iteration of this podcast, this episode, I had uh, another segment here. I had the 30-second snippet from Taylor Swift's song. Uh, and then when I went to upload the goddamn episode, it said, well, it's only going to Spotify. So, what do I have to do? I'm recording this part of the show. After I've already done the entire show. 
So this is a weird time fuck that we're on right now here, you know? Oh, that just fucking pisses me off. It really shouldn't be this difficult. All we're doing is fucking talking into into the nothing, the ether. It's not it's not important. There's nothing uh, of any sort of uh, major significance here. That 30-second Taylor Swift song, like, what the fuck? That poor thing has been through enough of her own issues with her music, and now here I am, uh, the same thing, going through issues with her music. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Oh, that just fucking makes me so mad. God. 20, it just, ah, boy, I don't know. I was going to say something stupid, so I I stopped. Let's get into the interview, okay? And so, listen, I know that, that this is not going to be for everyone. I've accepted that, and that's fine. Uh, but the conversation does talk about some other things, including Ian's time uh, with the English club Watford back when he was in high school. It's very interesting. It gives you a, a very good idea of uh, professional sports overseas. It gives you an idea of... Um, you know, what it's like to be broadcasting a podcast underneath um, the bathroom pipes, as you can probably hear now. Fuck. Uh, the end of this has just gone off the rail, folks. Good fucking grief. Um, and it gives you an idea of, you know, what, what things are like um, in that in that world. It's a different world. It really is. It's interesting. Uh, so we also talk about Florida Gators football, which was also good and fun. Uh, but look, overall... Ian is a good dude. I like him. He's a great guy. Uh, he comes from tremendous stock. Uh, his father is a good dude. His mother is a wonderful person. His brother's very nice and much smarter than Ian. Uh, so it's it's great. Um, listen, enjoy the interview. Sit through. I'm not going to tell you how long it is because I don't want you to skip anything. But listen and enjoy it. Thank you. Now, here he is. Ian Hanwecker. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome in uh, a good friend and, and the person who I have gone to for all things footy over the course of the last four plus years. Uh, his extensive past in dominating a variety of pitches throughout the state of Florida and with uh, Washington Square FC, I think, uh, and, and coming to you uh, right now from somewhere in the swamps of the Sunshine State. Uh, please welcome to complaints and observations, uh, footballing legend Ian Hanwacker. Ian, welcome to the show. David, I uh, I appreciate it. That was quite the intro, and uh, hope that I can become a recurring guest. Oh, you know I've heard that before, and I have yet to have a recurring guest. So. And those people have never contacted you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ian's uh, fatal flaw is uh, that he supports Manchester United. The good thing is he's not one of these uh, plastic United supporters. I don't know if you've ever heard the term plastic before, but it's something that I picked up on uh, on uh, footy Twitter recently, and I, I think it's the funniest goddamn thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, so I've used it multiple times. Um, so, But look, let's get right into it on United, okay? Uh, you happen to be the, the second... United supporter that I've had on the program. The first was uh, a gentleman by the name of Rich Leaf, who was the absolute nicest person that I've uh, that I've ever met, and he has uh, made this show ten thousand times better just 
because he was so damn nice. Uh, unfortunately, you're not that nice. I, so, uh, what what is going on with United? And uh, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on a couple of different things. One, uh, the ongoing saga with Paul Pogba uh, and the managerial situation as well. I happen to, and I think I've mentioned this before, I like the manager. I think he's a good manager. I think he's just saddled with a ton of drama um, throughout that roster. Yeah, I, um, do you want me to start? Where do you want me to start with Paul Pogba? Whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> the world is uh, yours. Also that, 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 uh, that previous episode was of yours. I actually listened to that one. That one was really good. Once I heard what? that he was a United fan, um, it was interesting to hear how he got into that. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's Paul Pogba. He's a, you know, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of twofold. I don't think it's a hundred percent his fault. I think when he was bought back from Juventus, I, I think Jose Mourinho kind of like with a, a Tangai and Dombele and Tottenham, like that kind of maybe personality or potential, not really knowing how to get the best out of him. Jose Mourinho, he's going to call you out. He's going to be abrasive. That's how he's known to get the best out of players. I think that absolutely rubbed Paul Pogba the wrong way. And now with Ole, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to say like where he actually fits into the scheme of things. He should be playing where Bruno Fernandez is playing, but Bruno is in my mind, a better player currently in form than Paul Pogba. So I think with United fans, I think they still have in their minds, like, the kid of Paul Pogba, the one who Sir Alex let go, didn't want to sign him because he was asking for too much wages. He went to Juventus and got them to a Champions League final, became the character that he is um, known for that, uh, you know, smashed the the transfer fee, I think, for United at, at that time. So it certainly doesn't help with Mino Rayola coming out and just it seems like he every quarter it's like a quarterly business review it's like with Mina Rayola he's got to come out and just say something um <laughs> so it's I don't know it's kind of his job is it not it is it is I mean it's he his best interest is his client not the team so um I, I man I, I don't know I don't I don't know with Pogba I really don't know he's he scores a worldie like he does against West Ham and then all of a sudden sorry he scores a worldie against no. the. Uh... No, it wasn't that impressive. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nope. Sorry, he scored a good goal. <laughs> he scored a goal. That's, that's he all. He scored it was. a goal. It wasn't yeah, that impressive? He scored a goal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, just don't know if he fits. I don't think he fits into the long-term plans. So I'll, I'll say it that way. Like I, I just don't think he's going to. So what is the deal with? I mean, they have they. Uh, I assume they've attempted to sell him. Over the course, the it, you know, although I, this last window was so wonky that it was, you know, there wasn't a, as much movement as there probably would have been in a normal year. But I mean, this upcoming window, uh, the January window, what what is to stop them from from making the effort to try to sell him? It's not as it's not a need. They don't need to have him. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Especially with the Vandebeek signing. Uh, right. 
they're pretty much like for like there, those mm-hmm. players that can play both ways, box to box midfielders. I, I think it's the fee that United want to recoup for him, what they sure. paid for him originally. And then I think the, probably the transfer fee that they're slapping on him, they're slapping on, he's a top five player in the world transfer fee, which I don't think the PSGs, the Barcelonas, the Real Madrid. Teams that could afford him. Yeah, they're not going, I mean, you look at Barcelona, like how much they just restructured pay Mm -hmm. with players to, I forget what it was, like 300 million. It's an absurd total. They're a mess. They're an absolute mess. Yeah, so it's like almost almost like Borussia Dortmund and Jaden Sancho. It's like they're going to require the top top, and even if it's a pandemic, it's like if you can't pay it, then we'll just hold on to the player. Yeah, I think I truly think that's how it's pointing out. Hmm. Okay, so then kind of uh, trans transitioning into into the manager now, he gets so much flack from supporters. Per, it not being a United supporter, I don't, you know, I'm not intimately knowledgeable of, of his ins and outs, but because you, you sort of, you know, United as a whole is really thrust upon the American audience just because it's a top six club, you know, you kind of, you see him all the time, you, you know what's going on, but it seems to me as if he has a certain idea of how he wants to play he may or may not have, uh, you know, all of the players that he needs to play his style. When he got hired, it was just, hey, let's go balls out and win games. And I can't figure out why that, why that changed. What was the the impetus behind going away from what he started with and how he started managing when he first came in to after he actually got signed? In, in, in through today, like what, where is the disconnect between those two things? That's actually that's a that's a phenomenal question, and I, I don't I, I don't have an answer for you. I think a straightforward answer because I think a lot of United fans are are asking for that. Um, and are they asking you know, too much? Are they asking too much from him? Uh, you know, again, it's it's he's 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 a legend, you right. know, and. He scored arguably the the most important, not the most important goal, but the best goal in United's mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know why he it's it's counterattacking. That's his best tactic. It's you look at you look at the team. They have the best away record, but the fourth worst home record. And teams outside of I think if you look in Premier League history, teams outside of Jose Mourinho's maybe Chelsea teams and currently Tottenham team, if they go on to win the league, like no team has ever really won or minimal teams have won playing counterattacking football. It's mm-hmm. all been on the front foot. The Sir Alex Ferguson's, the Pep Guardiola's, the Jurgen Klopp's. They have a the David Boys. That, yeah. <laughs> well, who? That's um, right. The, yeah, that's right. They have like a foundation, a tactical foundation and formation that they go to. And then they make minor tweaks, not like major, major changes with it. It seems like all it does. So I think it is a combination of not being able to get the right players in. Like if they had been able to sign a Jaden Sancho or if they had been able to sign a Dio Opomacano, like players that maybe would then allow them to play counterattacking football against the top six sides mm-hmm. and then hopefully break down teams 
at home. I mean, it's it, it just goes to show, like I was saying, the away record, teams who play at home have the impetus to attack and push players forward. That suits Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. When people go to Old or when teams go to Old Trafford, it's sit back, it's defend in blocks and hit them on the counter. United have not really been able to show that they've been able to break down teams like that consistently um, under Ole. It's too much has been put on Bruno Fernandez in my mind. Oh, a lot. Way, way, way too much. Yeah. Um, and you'd look at hopefully the depth of Paul Pogba being able to come in and a like for like switch or play them both at the same time, but it, it just doesn't seem like it's worked out enough. Hmm. Um, your thoughts on what happened uh, against Leipzig uh, the other day? So I thought I thought Ole was going to go with the three five two. I thought that was the right. I thought that was the right formation to go into the game with. I just again, it can't all be on Ole. Like defending was. I don't know if we're allowed to curse, but fucking oh, you terrible. can fucking curse. Yeah, it was, it was hot garbage. That was terrible. You talk about an eighty million pound center back coming in. He looked like he was eighty million pounds. Like that's how <laughs> slow. That's how slow he was moving, and just like that. The third goal. Um, that just as a center back, it's like just get the ball out. Even if you if you hear a shout late, get the ball out. If you don't hear a shout, get the ball out. Like when in doubt, get it get out. out. And they and they, <laughs> I just don't I don't really understand that. And I, I do think it's it is like those individual errors. Um, and then you look at when they went down, and then in the last twenty minutes, how they started to play. And then the commentators are saying like, why didn't we see this from the very beginning? From, I feel right. like if we had played from the very beginning. We probably could have been maybe 2-0 up. We created some decent chances, but I think it's a combination of um, maybe some individual error selections on Ollie's part. I don't understand. Like, Ollie doesn't seem like the type of manager that's really going to lay into you either. That's what kind of bothers me as well is I don't know what type of halftime speeches he makes. I don't know what type of pregame speeches he makes they always talk about it's so cliche now in the football world but sir alex ferguson and the hair dryer treatment like it doesn't seem like ole is willing to do that it's like he'd rather be your best friend than almost be someone who will when it's necessary rip into you and expect mm -hmm. you to produce so yeah. it, it, i think that's where united fans are torn i, I really do so i'm glad you you brought up sir alex again so i mean when are United supporters going to sort of let that era go? And I, I ask that in a, not in a, in a, you know, a shitty way, like, ah, fucking get over it. You know what I mean? But in a, like, that was a, um, just a, a completely different world. Number one, the game was different. Number two. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and Third of all, it's just that was the he was the best manager with the best team, and you don't have that anymore. You're not going to have that anymore. the The league has changed to a point where you now have so so much parity with not even just the top six. You're talking the top half of the table. There's money fucking everywhere. So it's there's no there's no tricks. There's no secrets anymore. But United supporters, for some reason, just can't seem to let 
like Alex Ferguson go? Just, I don't understand the comparisons anymore either. Like, I mean, Ole's one thing because he played for him, so obviously that's their connection. But it seems as if he's almost being compared to him entirely unfairly when he's nothing, he's nothing like him. Like, personality-wise, uh, you know, st- system-wise, structure-wise, he's nothing like him. So it's odd to me that that so many supporters are hanging on to that. And I'm yeah. kind of curious when that'll stop. I, I think it'll stop once whoever the next manager is that comes in and wins. And that'll happen. I mean, is that the thing? I just don't know when it's going to happen. It is Um, such a, not what the current structure of the, of, you know, upward from the Glazers to Ed Woodward to, Mm -hmm. I think it starts at the very top. Oh, absolutely. I I don't even myself. I, I struggle with letting it go. You think about every time a United team is put on the field, they're like, how they should be playing. It was 26 mm-hmm. years of, and even Sir Alex had time to settle in, get his footholds. I think he took four or five years to win his first trophy. He was on the verge of being sacked before he won a trophy. It, you know, that's, that's a thing too. Like you're as a manager, you're not given time, especially if you're hired at a top six club or a club like Man United. You're well, just, in the, pr- just in the Premier trophies. League as a, as a whole, these guys get no time to do it. No. It blows my mind. I don't, I've never understood that about this league. These guys get no fucking time to build anything. It's just owners in this league are expecting miracles right off the bat. And so it, it's no different. Uh, at at Old Trafford by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it, I don't I don't really understand either. I think it's just a product of the environment of the current times. They just expect you to pull not necessarily rabbits out of the hat. Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but I you know if you're coming to this club, you're getting this transfer budget. We expect you to produce right away. So, yeah. um. You know, yeah, the the Sir Alex thing, it was coupled with, I think it was a a couple of things of him getting the time. And then you look at that, that the class of 92, like Mm -hmm. that's a once, almost a once in a generation. Once in a multiple generation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the combination of that, um, you know, where they, the famously, they said, you know, kids won't win you titles. And then you have the Giggsies, the Beckhams, the Neville brothers, the Nicky Butts come in and win you a title and then you combine that with I think at that time where like you were saying it was a different style I think Premier League like rivals would sell players to each other like I don't ever think like now if you would put like an Eric Cantona type player like would Leeds United sell them sell him to Man United no no would would Newcastle sell an Andy Cole to Manchester United, no. I mean, you're you're looking at Michael Carrick when from Spurs to United, like unless you're willing to really, really Jaden Sancho break the transfer budget, I, you you just don't see that anymore. Right. You um, never hear that. It just yeah, doesn't happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about uh, Jose Mourinho just because. I find that man uh, endlessly fascinating and hilarious. Um, I don't particularly, you know, like him, 
but it, it, you know, personally, and his personality, I like him. I, I think he's funny. Uh, I want Tottenham to lose every single game they play, but uh, I, I find him incredibly funny. The thing that, that kills me is that he got the time to improve that club, and now they're at the top of the table. Where they haven't really made a ton of changes, it's just that they've sort of taken on his personality uh, to a point. I mean, I mean, Harry Kane is dirty as fuck. I mean, that guy. Him and Son together are ridiculous combinations. Uh, Son is, I think he is probably a top three player in the league. He's just, and he's he's a fucking quiet assassin, this dude. I don't know what the deal is with him, and I don't know enough about uh, you know his past and and whatnot. But what a what an unbelievably fun player to watch. But I just yeah. can't stand the fact that he plays for that team. <laughs> and yeah, I have a very love hate relationship with Jose as well. Obviously, hated him when he came through with. Chelsea originally and broke into the league. Although th- those were looking back, those were such fun times. Like mm-hmm. the duels that he had with Sir Alex Ferguson and United in that mid two thousands Chelsea team. Uh, obviously, he had gone into Old Trafford and beaten uh, Sir Alex with Porto um, to win the Champions League in two thousand four, I believe. But he and then having him at United like that was extremely frustrating because I think you know it, with Tottenham it seems like it's just really lined up whereas with United like you said he didn't get the best out of Paul Pogba if he could have got the best out of Paul Pogba I think that could have made the team tick that much more and potentially have gotten the results that we really wanted uh, with Tottenham it's it's good like Mauricio Pochettino has to be given the credit of building that team up. Yeah. And I think you're seeing the likes of Jose Mourinho and discipline and defensive foundation and structural integrity of a formation really come through. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing really talented professionals like a song, like a cane really buy into it. And he's starting to get the best out of guys like Ndombele or Lo Celso who needed a season to really settle into the premier league. Mm. And he's been able to push the right buttons there to be able to get the most out of them. So I, you know, as, as tough it is, as it is to see them be top of the league, it's, it's also exciting as well to, to see someone like Jose Mourinho, like almost have a Renaissance period and see those tactics actually start working again, where, you know, we were counting him out for the last decade plus. Yeah, exactly. No, I know. And plus, I, again, I just, I don't know what it is about him, but I find him unbelievably funny. It's Oh, he's awesome. Where he said that, yeah. that comment that he had when they beat Man City, where it's like, yeah, Man City can have all the possession and they can take that home and I'll take the three points home. Like that's so... <laughs> That's so classic Mourinho. That's got to be up there with one of the best comments he's ever made. Like, it's pretty uh, good. It's pretty good. He's he's he he really he's he's a genius. Honestly, Tottenham's he really is. Uh, Tottenham's uh, Instagram feed has a uh, like a a Mourinho cam where they just they keep the camera on him and then they play clips of his reactions throughout the game. <laughs> it, it's it's just hilarious. Brilliant. Why would you, why would you not do that? I I don't know. He in and of self, like during a game could just be, I would watch that. I would watch 90 minutes of Josie Mourinho's reaction (laughs) to the game. I wouldn't have to watch the game. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Um, 
So let's talk um, <clears throat> uh, National Club football. Uh, you being a dual citizen uh, of the Republic of Ireland and this fine uh, country of ours, uh, I'm very curious to hear uh, anything about the Irish national team, just because you know I don't uh, don't really know much about them uh, beyond what you know you've told me over the course of the last uh, four or five years or so. Because uh, I'm curious to see where they're at, um, and and that's 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 pretty much it. I'm just kind of yeah, <laughs> just kind of curious. Well, well, if I had to say who has a brighter future, I would definitely choose the U.S. over Ooh. the Irish. Um, As would I. I, think I don't even know what the Irish. Is. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, it's certainly it's a transitional time. Um, it's it's a change in philosophy. Uh, Stephen Kenny coming in and. He made his name in the Irish League um, with, I believe, the likes of Dundalk, where a few years ago they qualified for the Europa League. So that was like his big thing was he had somehow managed to get them into into the Europa League. I'm pretty sure they got smashed during the group stages, but he is goes against all, I guess, Irish team traditional philosophies where it's like a Jose Mourinho at sit back defending blocks and it's if you can get something on the counter that's great if you draw then at least you have a point but he is very expansive not very he's more expansive it's how much of the ball can we retain how open of a style can we play and you can see I think he's I, I maybe like 10 matches in charge now you can see where there are glimmers of hope but where you can see where it's players who have been in the fold for a while since being under the likes of Mick McCarthy, Giovanni Trapattoni, like that, that like mental tactical standpoint has been really imprinted in their brain. It's, you can see it's hard for them to like get away from that. And you can tell we're not, I say we, it's like, we're Irish players are not the most technically gifted. You have the once in a lifetimes, the Roy Keens, the Robbie Keens, the Damian Duffs, um, those Declan, guys right. who oh, Declan, yeah, right. Declan, Jack really. Oh, Jack. Um, <laughs> the ones that I forgot about that one. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. fucking kid. Good individually, fucking grief. Individually who can go and win you a game. We don't really have that coming up. So it's certainly a transition and, as much as I would have loved to qualify for, for Euro 2020, I'm almost glad we didn't because I feel like it would have been pretty embarrassing. I think we would have probably gotten our behinds handed to us. Yeah. Makes sense. But um, we got some guy. we got some kids coming up like Adam Ida from Norwich. Playing time is a big thing. Troy Parrott um, from, oh, that's right. yeah. yeah, from Tottenham. He's mm -hmm. on loan at Millwall right now. Like oh, got some is? young, yeah, <laughs> young kids. So, yeah, I know. Right. Um, speaking of Millwall, like just disgusting acts. Uh, like, yeah, just, but look, no surprise. No yeah. surprise. Look, I don't, especially I, from know. a West Ham fan, like no surprise, <laughs> no surprise, but no. Uh, yeah, we got, we got some young kids coming up and, and hopefully break into being more of, of regular call-ups, but yeah, if you want to transition into more promising futures in the U.S. men's national team. I mean, they played a B squad last night against El Salvador and absolutely demolished them. Smashed them. Orlando City's own Chris Mueller. Oh, that, that's, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I would talk about uh, I would talk about Orlando City, but um, I don't I don't particularly care to. Uh, okay, New England Revolution came in and beat them. So. Yeah, I know, I know. I was <laughs> I was hoping that uh, that they would make the final, but alas, no dice. Um, yeah, the the U.S. team is just it, it, it's honestly it's uh, it's fun to watch because we haven't had that sort of excitement in terms of international level players. Granted, I mean they're pulling kids that. Uh, like the kid at, at Barcelona, um, Serginio, well, no, the other oh, kid, Serginio Dest. Yeah. Dest was literally, I think he was like, his mother was on vacation in New York city when he was born. And then that, so that's how he's an American citizen. <laughs> yeah. That's so, but I mean, they're pulling kids that spent 10 minutes in this country and saying, Hey, do you want to play? But I mean, they're all kids. They're all 21, 22. Uh, it, it's unreal. It's just it, they're so. They played. They only played those those two games, uh, those two friendlies, the one against Wales and the one against Panama, in the Wales match. They, uh, the midfield was just incredible, but they had no, uh, they had no striker. They had no one that could actually score the ball. So it was it was tough, but it was just so fun to watch them control the pace and control the ball for literally the entire match it was stunning uh with you have a bunch of kids that hadn't played together in months uh after you know a week's worth of practice they went out and played very well i mean it was a draw scoreless draw but i mean it was it was a fun match it was great and it was one of those things that you i watched and i said boy this is going to be fun in in two years it's going to be if they don't fuck it up which is entirely possible because they've done it before i hope not I hope yeah. not either, but I'm not the biggest fan of the manager. Yeah, uh, was it Greg? Greg yeah, Greg Berhalter, yeah, Greg Berhalter with like eight G's in his in his name. Uh, <laughs> I I can't too many G's, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of his. He just strikes me as kind of a, I don't know, too too snooty American soccer guy. That's what he strikes me as. You know what I mean? One of these guys that thinks he's the smartest fucking guy in the room when he's not. Yeah, that, that's that's my impression. I haven't honestly, I, I have not been able to watch too much of Team USA because a lot of the time when the games are on there, when like the European teams are playing, right? Exactly. And and I much prefer not right now. Like I, if Ireland's playing, I will choose to watch Ireland over mm. her the U.S., at least in, like, a competitive match. But uh, I do think that there's a lot of promise. I do think that the manager could be a problem. Um, I don't know if I really trust Berhalter. You have to give Klinsman credit, as shitty as that was. The fact that he would go out and choose players who were born or spent 10 minutes in the U.S. and were like, hey, you qualify for U.S. citizenship, like, hopefully us fans can get over that like sorry that's what oh, the please. greatest teams yeah. in the in the world mm-hmm. that have won the world cup do like mm-hmm. people are going to travel and people are probably going to have kids in other countries and <laughs> oh, no this isn't a full-blooded american now like hey like, cristiano sorry, ronaldo's kid was born here so when when exactly. he's when he's 16 that motherfucker better be on on the pitch wearing the red white and blue all right Hot take he's going to play for the us there you go yeah i mean love it why the hell not yeah. Um, so let's let's talk quickly 
uh, about the Florida Gators. Uh, for my listeners, Ian is a proud uh, alum <laughs> of the University of Florida, and uh, he, that head coach is a uh, sociopath. Dan Mullen is a crazy <laughs> person. But Dan Mullen can make quarterbacks uh, like nobody's business. And I find Kyle Trask to be – and I don't watch a ton of college football. It just so happens that Florida's been on quite a bit. So I've watched probably more Florida than any other school only because of the quarterback. I think that that kid is going to be a solid pro. Uh, I would love it if he played in New England. And I think, as we talked about at the beginning, he is uh, perfectly suited, perfectly built to play in that offense because he's a statue and can't move. <laughs> yeah, you get a solid offensive line around him, he'll he'll be okay. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think Dan Mullen is – you know, he's proven to be the the quarterback whisperer and he puts his quarterbacks in the best position to make the best decisions possible. Mm -hmm. Read through coverages, go through progressions. I mean, Alex Smith at Utah, you talk Dak Prescott at Mississippi state. Um, I think Kyle Trask is by far the best passer out of all of the quarterbacks of that. Yeah. I think yeah. And Alex, he Smith could pass. Alex Smith was a good yeah. passer, but not to yeah. this level. No, I think, I think he doesn't have the strongest arm Trask, but he, I think he has pinpoint accuracy. Uh, and, you know, and a lot, you know, some of those throws are, you look at Kyle Pitts, I, who that guy, for me, if you want to have a separate conversation oh on yeah. guys who could change an NFL team, mm -hmm. especially with the tight end position, yep. Trevon Grimes, like he's got dudes that can make catches. So some of them, it's like, there's questionable throws, but it's like, all right, if I have a six, six guy against a six foot quarterback, a cornerback or safety, like I'm going to toss it up there and I'm going to trust him to go get it. That's um, right. I mean, that's so, what you're supposed to do. You put your faith exactly. in your receivers, and that's what he's done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've become – yeah, I've been extremely impressed by the progression that Trask has, has made, and I do think a lot of it has to, to do with, with Dan Mullen and, yeah, that New Hampshire background. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's so fucking salty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was it and, a and, Chip Kelly was from New Hampshire too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, he actually he coached at uh, at UNH Chip Kelly. For That's a right. While. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had a quarterback up there. This kid Ricky Santos. Oh man, was that kid good? Good grief. Uh, did nothing. He, he made a couple <laughs> practice squads, but that was about it in the pros. But um, are they going to beat Alabama? Uh, I, personally, I don't think so. Um, I hate to be like, oh well, Ian, you said that, so it came true. But it's like. <laughs> we've become extremely one dimensional. Um, I think we, against Tennessee, we like 17 carries, 19 yards rushing. Oh, wow. Dan, really? Yeah. Dan Mal, yeah. Yeah. Holy Dan Mullen came out and said like, Oh, well, we're not worried about it because uh, you know, they gave us the passing game. So we yeah. took the passing game, which I can, but it's like, you look at Alabama, Najee Harris, like he could be maybe the second coming of Derrick Henry. I don't know mm -hmm. if I'd go that far, but yeah. they have the run game. They have the pass game. Their defense is starting to come together. Our mm -hmm. defense I think has started to become better, but I just don't, I don't trust that we can get enough of a run game to get going. Like, I guess if I looked at it, I would trust 
Alabama to get more stops defensively than I would our defense. And I think probably Alabama's offense could do more with extra possessions than Florida's could. Hmm. That's how I see it. I mean, Florida can score points. Yeah. Uh, a shit ton of points. And they have scored a shit ton of points. Um, and I, I think if, if it came down to a shootout where, let's say, I mean, Alabama can obviously control the game on the ground, but if, uh, if Florida can, can stop Harris a couple times and, and actually, uh, you know, load up the box. Look, Mac Jones is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't put the fear of God in me at all. Uh, and, and it mm. wouldn't, you know, not, and again, look, very good quarterback. I, th- I think he's good. It's just a matter of if it turns into a shootout, I think Florida can, can win. Uh, but I mean, I think I'm with you. I don't think they will, but I certainly think that they could. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities at all. Yeah. I, the thing that worries me too is like deep ball home run hitters. Our defense has struggled with that. And I mean, you I, again, I know you don't watch too much, but if you go back and look at tape against the Georgia, like against Georgia, they had probably like five deep balls that if there was JT Daniels playing their current quarterback who transferred from USC, I think he was a five-star guy. If there was a quarterback that could put it on a dime or get it there within catching distance, that those would have been home run balls. And that's what worries me. Devontae Smith, that guy looks like he arguably could he could be better than Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget the other the other guy's name, but um C.D. Lamb. The, yeah. Uh yeah. or no, uh the other Alabama wide receiver. There was Henry Ruggs and there was C D Lamb went to Oklahoma. Oh, um, that's right. Henry Ruggs and then other guy. Jerry Judy. Jerry oh, Judy. Jerry Judy. That's right. I think he could be better than both of them. He looks mm-hmm. like he has the makeup. So it's it's the deep balls that worry me as well. And just like the back end coverage of, I think our run defense is becoming better, but I'm still worried about pass coverage. Yeah. Makes sense. I gotcha. Um, okay. So we've got the, uh, the serious uh, sports talk out of the way. Um, I'm 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 hoping that you'll share briefly uh, with my four listeners um, <laughs> your uh, your time that you spent at Watford because I find it uh, incredibly interesting and and I hope that uh, that you'll do us the honor uh, of just uh, sharing a little bit about the experience. Yeah, that was. Uh... Uh, that was that was certainly like a, a great opportunity, an interesting time. I think I was more, uh, I was definitely lucky to have that opportunity. So my manager coach at that time, uh, David Bardsley, uh, if you look him up, he had a few caps for England, um, played for QPR back when they were consistently in the Premier League back in oh, the wow. 90s. I didn't yeah, know that. I played for, yeah, oh. I played for Watford. Um as well, but I essentially played for, for, uh, at that time, uh, his team and his ties back to specifically Watford, we were given the opportunity. He was given the opportunity to bring a handful of players over to, I guess, have more like a trial um, train with the youth team, train with the senior squad. Uh, so I had always had dreams about playing professionally, but 
spoiler alert, that experience made me realize I was not going to be good enough. Um, and here we are today. And here we are today. <laughs> I always remember my dad telling me, being like, hey, Ian, it's like fine if you just want to become a fan. You know, like there's nothing wrong with transitioning into being a fan. And like yeah. you said, fast forward to today, here I am <laughs> just drinking beers and being a fan. Um, but I, I think that the the experience and like the setup, um, how it was, like the players, um, gr- great experience, great experience. Mm-hmm. So that was back in 2006. So I was a junior in high school. So that would have been like whatever spring semester mm-hmm. of junior year. But um, those kids, I mean, they come from all across the UK, some of them from even out of the country, but they essentially, they, pay local families in Watford to house the kids. Um, And uh, they go to school. I think it was back at that time. And I don't know how much it's changed, but they go to school. They would go to school once a week. And it was for three hours on a Wednesday. (laughs) Outside of that, it was training and they got paid. They got paid. I don't know how well, but Mm -hmm. I think it was the, Hey, if you want to make the senior squad, you get paid. If they got a booking, they would get fined. If they were late oh, wow. training, you get fined. Mm-hmm. I think it was, Hey, if you really want to be a professional footballer, we'll give you a taste, but you're going to suffer the same repercussions. So mm-hmm. uh, the training was intense, like nothing I had ever experienced. I think over there, the ball moves different. It's quicker. It's slick surfaces. Um, Watford at that time had just acquired or just taken over Arsenal's old training ground um, oh. outside of London. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. And uh, for your four podcast listeners and hopefully you, I don't know if the name Jay Demerit would ring any. Oh, bells, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So That's he was right. at Watford at that time. Yeah. Oh, um, Jesus. How did they not put that together? Yeah. Uh, wow. product of I think the University of Wisconsin is it Whitewater? Whitewater. I think yep. yeah. So yeah. So we got to meet him. He was awesome. A mm. great guy, just dabbing us up, saying, Hey guys, like go out there, do it like he was like, do it for the US, like show them what we're all about. Yeah. I think we didn't follow through, but it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we went but, out uh, and then we quit. <laughs> we went out and then we just started playing like American football and pass it now. It was um so that was awesome. Ashley Young was there oh, wow. uh, before he made his his money big money move at that time to Aston mm-hmm. Villa and then mm-hmm. obviously went to Man United. Ben Foster was on loan mm-hmm. um from Man United as a goalkeeper. So I think just getting um uh, you know, get, getting an experience or taste of like what it's actually like. The thing is, I don't think the U.S. would ever implement a policy of like, hey, you don't have to go to school anymore. Right. Like, I right. don't know if that would ever happen outside of like mm. the IMG academies right. in Bradenton. But yeah, um, yeah the um, what the happens? Thing, what happens with the kids that kind of wash out? You know what I mean? Where you know they go there and and they're okay just to get in there. And they don't go to school, and then but it's like, yeah, okay, you're not really good enough. What happens to those kids? I think it's they end up working your nine to five jobs, man. I, I think it's it could be like a Jamie Vardy type of where you know 
these guys that you hear about, that's a, what's so fascinating about like things like the league cup or FA cup is these bricklayers who then yeah. semi-professional squads. Like, honestly, man, I think it's do or die for them. Mm. Um, I don't think a lot of them get university educations. I think it's, they put all their eggs in one basket and if yeah. it doesn't work out, then, you know, you're working at the Tedeschi's down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Sunday league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Nothing geez. wrong with that, but no, absolutely not. No. Doesn't beat playing in the professional leagues. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, that's cool. I did not know uh, that uh, the your, your coach at the time was a former pro. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh. Yeah. Yeah. He he told me about a time where when he was with QP, QPR, they beat Man United at Old Trafford four one. And he just like remembers that whole, so it's like, he has some cool stories. And uh, one of the perks of being able to go to, to Watford for that um, week was we got to go to the, one of their games. They, that's when they were relegated. So they were not a very good team, but they were hosting Liverpool that weekend. Mm. I got to sit directly behind the Liverpool bench um, at that time where it was, Rafa Benitez was the coach. Um, oh, yeah. Jamie Carragher was still there. Um, who else? Well, folks, we've lost him. Unbelievable. He had one job. He's back. Hold on. What the hell Sorry happened? Sorry about that. Damn, I have no Lord. idea what happened there. Um, uh, but yeah, sorry to, to wrap it up. Yeah, Rafa Benitez was still the manager. Um, Stevie Gerrard was the captain at that point. Um, Jimmy Carragher, um, Pepe Reina, Peter Crouch, Craig Bellamy. Like there were some, oh, there were some characters there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember Watford was not very good. Mm. And um the manager at that time was A.D. Boothroyd. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And then um, Adrian Mariapa, who has – we met him at a mall. But, uh, a mall? yeah, that Liverpool won three. Now, yeah, we ran into him at a, at a mall, and he was kind <laughs> of like – I remember him being like, oh, these are American players, mm. and just not giving us the respect, which yeah. maybe rightfully so at that time. But I remember, sure. yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool won three now, and the away support was – pretty amazing as you could imagine for mm. for a liverpool team and um i think that's when they got close to challenging united for the title or no that would maybe would have been around the time that chelsea when jose Mourinho was around but yeah that was that was i was within honestly arm's length of the liverpool bench john arnarisa sammy hoopia like legends legends of of liverpool squad so it was very awesome. cool Good. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that story. Uh, I, I find it uh, incredibly interesting and, and entertaining all at the same time. <laughs> uh, For any young American players out there, go to Europe and experience Europe <laughs> and try and get to some of youth academies because I think that's your best bet. As you, you can tell, tell what the current U.S. men's national team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'm, I'm sure all of my uh, my listeners will run and tell their children um, <laughs> to go play European soccer. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, listen, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. All right. Listen, um, thank you again. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully have me on again if, if you would like if this yeah. turns out well and you get the viewership that you should oh i doubt it because you know yeah, nobody, no, nobody likes happen. nobody likes soccer and nobody likes me so it works out wonderfully oh toe ball tommy Old. <laughs> i hope you enjoyed that um it was some serious soccer talk at some point uh i enjoy it I hope you did too. I hope you learned something. Again, that's the goal of the show. I want you to learn something. I want you to have one laugh. That's all we guarantee here on the show as I burp into the microphone. Uh, I guarantee one laugh per episode or your money back. So, yeah, that's what you can look forward to. If this is your first time here on, on the show listening to the show you know first and foremost welcome hopefully uh, ian has brought you to the show you know what i need to do <laughs> i need to interview people with more friends <laughs> that's what i need to do oh man that's uh, that's kind of a fucking shitty thing to say huh wow dave be a day. I'm not saying that these people don't have friends. That's not my implication. It's not what I'm saying. As my furnace fucking goes off. Um, I'm going to have him on again. Because, again, he's a incredibly smart guy. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, he was rattling off players. There was there was a player in there that he, that he mentioned. I wish I could remember the name. That I had never heard of before. I had to go and look him up. I'm like, who the fuck is he talking about? Problem is this fucking thousands of soccer players you'll very few people have that ability ian is one of them which is why i wanted him on the show so uh, i'm going to do future soccer episodes and i hope to have uh ian on again because i enjoyed that uh, and apologies for the audio quality i am uh, you know audacity is a great program free doesn't cost anything but i'm still learning how to use it in proper fashion as i'm editing this thing down it went from sounding good to sounding how it came out and i couldn't fucking figure out what the hell i did couldn't figure it out so now it sounds like we're in a fucking phone booth but whatever what can you do all right um as it is thursday it is time for three grites grites three grites it's time for three grits. I don't know why I did that. It is time for three gripes, David. You mumbled, mumbling, mush mouth asshole. Um, I'm again happy to have some voicemails this week. Very excited. You know, a couple I don't really think fall into the general gripe category, so we're going to spread them out. I'm going to play all three that I have. But, you know, I'm going to mix up some some other stuff in here. So uh, here is gripe number one, courtesy of uh, of listener Mike. Hey, Dave, it's your special friend, again, with the uh, stinky shirts. Um, I'd like to say I appreciate your help, but uh, it wasn't exactly what I'd call help. Um, but, you know, you, you don't think you make a difference in people's lives, but... You've motivated me to, you know, maybe I'll take a shower this month. 
So maybe I'll I'll see if the old shower works. That that could be a, a you know an idea. Um, another thing that's been bugging me a lot. I don't know. I don't know if you get this one, but uh, people asking if you're if you're okay when you're coughing. So if I'm coughing, I'm obviously not okay. Um, so trying to answer uh, what's going on to someone who's asking me, well, you know. If I'm okay, uh, that makes it even worse. So normally, um, you know, when I'm coughing, I, I just ignore it. Uh, you know, you're okay. Well, you know, no. But uh, if someone else is coughing, I, I mean, I don't ask if they're okay. I just watch them. Uh, hope they don't. Uh, hope they're not choking because it's usually about that time when I remember that I never learned the Heimlich maneuver. So uh, if this person's going down. I'm screwed. I mean, they're screwed more, but uh, that's my gripe. You know, I'd say that's a pretty big one, um, and it's normally uh, it's normally pretty ugly when it's happening. It causes some fights, but uh, anyways, that's all I got for you, buddy. All right. First and foremost, you can't use special friend. It just sounds fucking weird, dude. And then. Look, there's nothing wrong with a little empathy, especially if the person having a coughing fit is someone you care for or a stranger or elderly. So basically that means almost anybody. Uh, if you're not asking them if they're okay, I think you're just kind of being an asshole. I mean, look, I, I understand that if you're coughing and somebody says something, you can get, you can get a little pissy about it because you know that there's nothing wrong but put yourself in those in in someone else's shoes they see you coughing uncontrollably and they're gonna think to them my dear my my goodness what is happening with this gentleman sir sir are you okay how was that a bad thing I don't. I don't get that. I'm, quite frankly, I'm a tad disturbed. And by the way, forgot to mention: Are you accepting parental gripes, PGs, as uh, I call them? You know, like the fact that every time I go to the sit down to eat, my kid takes a dump, and I got to go wipe his ass. Um, is that permissible? Because I know, you know, you have a long history of not exactly being a safe space for uh, parents. Um, I know there's some angst there, so, you know, because I got plenty of those, and I feel like, you know, the other 10 listeners, uh, four listeners or whatever you got, um, there must be more of us out there. So uh, I just wanted to clear that with you before we uh, move forward here. Okay, so Mike is asking if he can leave parental gripes. And, you know, I guess, I suppose um, – I think a majority of my four listeners are parents, so if they want to call in with a problem, I'm happy to provide them with the proper knowledge that comes with being someone who is smart enough not to procreate. So please, feel free. In the example of uh, you're sitting down to eat and then your kid has to shit, like, how is that a gripe? What the fuck are you supposed to do? If you haven't taught your kid to properly 
wipe his own ass at, I don't know, two? Is that when you start doing that shit? I don't know. I don't fucking know. That's when you should start doing it. I would say three. By, by the time they're three, they should be able to properly wipe their own ass. And if they if they can't, that's on you, pal. I mean, if you're in a restaurant, uh, you sit down, and then he says, I have to take a shit. Well, then he can be upset and say, you know, unless you have some serious diarrhea going on, you probably should have been aware of this problem. That's something I don't fucking get about kids. Kids in bathroom habits. How do they get this in their head that they have to wait until the very last minute to go to the bathroom? What could possibly be more important in their tiny little lives than defecating? I'm I'm baffled. I don't get it. Again, smart enough not to procreate. So, uh, feel free to send in all the parental gripes that you have, and I'll happily answer them uh, with... Um, I was trying to think of something like big words to put there, but I don't want. To. I'll probably fuck that up, so I'm not. I won't use them. Uh, but I'll I'll happily answer them correctly because that's that's what I do. All right. Uh, gripe number two: uh, the smiley face emoji in professional emails. This is not appropriate in any way, any shape, or any form. In fact, leave any and all emojis out of professional emails, even if you are entirely unprofessional. If you're sending an email to anyone whose email address ends with a business name, do not include a fucking emoji. How do you think that is somehow going to uh, move the relationship forward or maintain a relationship if you're including a stupid little yellow smiley face in your email. It's not needed, and it sure as shit is not welcome. Thank you very much. Same goes for text messages of any kind from anyone other than your spouse, child, or mother, and there's even a limit on how far that should go. But that's for another time. The last thing that you should see when you're opening an email at work, you don't want to be at work. You don't want to be working. What does this person think they're doing by putting a goddamn smiley face in the email? Do they think that they're slightly improving your day somehow? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll say, hey, I want to buy this fucking thing for this fucking price. Smiley face. (laughs) No. Now I don't want to fucking work with you ever again. You godforsaken dolt. Please. Pound sand. It's not welcome. And as I said, it's not needed. Gripe number three. Why do airlines run ads for their own airline while you're in one of their planes? Sniffle. Uh, Sure, look, it's a captive audience. But do these companies not realize that the average person really fucking hates commercials? The DVR was invented 
to skip commercials. It wasn't invented to make sure that you don't miss your favorite shows. <laughs> no, 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 no. The VCR was fine for that. The DVR was invented so you could fucking fast forward through that shit. And then that's when the the uh, streaming companies and cable companies got smart and they started putting restrictions on the fast forward function when you're trying to stream something. So you can't, you're stuck. But look, if I'm on a plane, okay, don't interrupt me while I'm watching uh, Ted Lasso to tell me about the, the shitty credit card and its 39.9% interest rate with the the 10,000 free miles and the the sign-up bonus of 10,000 more free miles. You can get you can get one quarter of a fucking airline ticket after spending 20 grand. I don't want it and most likely no one else on the plane wants it either. So why do you do it? And nobody wants it because you've just run an ad in the middle of something they were watching. I would say that the same goes for the pilot, but his or her job is slightly more important. Slightly. Those things can fly them their, their fucking selves nowadays. A thought just popped into my head, and I'm not going to say it. I don't want to put that out into the ether, so I'm not going to say it. I'm going to button it up. I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to tell you that I had a thought that I'm not going to say. Because I'm a responsible adult. And that's three gripes. Now, almost done with the show. This has been a long one. The interview went long. So this is a long episode. And look, I really don't apologize that much because... If you've sat here for this long, I mean, that's on you. That's on you. I mean, Christ. Try being me. You know? Here's another voicemail for you, because uh, I like torturing you. Yeah, Dave. It's Bankley here. And that's it. Attend district. Slugging beers. Watching the TV. And you know what I saw? The biggest bullshit I've ever seen. How about Bruce Arians stopping his dick? and kick the field goal, and get me my second half bet. Is that too much to ask for? No, I don't think so. Show some love. Stop being a dick. So, essentially, uh, the gripe there is that, uh, you know, he's he's mad at, at, at Bruce Arians in, in Tampa Bay for not getting him a second half bet. That's not even a gripe. You're just terrible at gambling. Speaking of which, his previously insurmountable lead here uh, has shrunk. Uh, He's only up a half game with three games to go. It's tight. It is tighter than a seal's ass. Uh, He had Houston last week, not Tennessee. I fucked that up. Uh, And then Houston went out and got fucking boat raced. So that's an L for Scott. Uh, I had Green Bay, and I could see the half-point loss coming from a mile away, sure enough. Seven-and-a-half-point line. They won by seven. That's an L for yours truly. So, I am a half game out. 
going into a week, whatever the fuck this is. Uh, this week, Scott Banksley has the San Diego Chargers. I'll never get over that. I will never call them the Los Angeles Chargers because it's stupid. They fucked San Diego, and San Diego's a nice place. So he has San Diego plus three and a half versus the Raiders tomorrow night. Don't love it. Don't hate it, but don't love it. Vegas needs a win. And they just fired their defensive coordinator. So I think they're going to come out flying. They can score points. They just can't fucking stop anybody. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills on the road at Denver laying six. Uh, because Buffalo is a fucking wagon right now. Let's go, Bills. Hashtag Bills Mafia. That's it for this very long show. Uh, if you've stuck around, as always, I thank you. I implore you to tell your friends. Uh, the show has is uh, has grown. Uh, I think the interviews are are terrific. Uh, I love doing them. I enjoy them thoroughly. So look, if you're listening to the program and you want to be on the show, please uh, let me know. We'll talk about anything that you have any sort of knowledge about. Anything. You know, I have a couple irons in the fire for, for future shows. I have an interview next week that is going to uh, just blow you out of the fucking water. Okay? Uh, another friend of mine, my buddy Nick, who is an enigma wrapped in a fucking riddle. He is a incredibly intelligent young man and a giant fucking dummy all at the same time. Honestly, it's astonishing. He's going to come on the show and tell some stories that are going to uh, blow you away. Honestly. Because uh, he's, he's very... He's a, he's a decent storyteller. Uh, and he's done a ton of dun, dumb shit. Dumb shit? Dumb shit. D-U-M-B. So that'll be next week's episode. And I think you're going to enjoy that. So again, uh, if you want to be on the show and talk about something that you know, terrific. If you know somebody who would like to be on the show, uh, it could talk about literally anything. I have no, you know, there's, there's nothing here, so I'll talk about fucking anything. You know? In fact, I'd rather talk about shit I, I don't know anything about. I think it'd be more interesting. But, uh, you know, let me know. And look, as I tell you every week, tell your friends, eventually, eventually this is going to be a smash hit podcast, then you can get in early. Okay, that's all a lie. Not the point. Not the point. I do have a, a Twitter page, at ComplaintsPod. I right now have 27 followers. Not good. And I think the Twitter game's okay. I you know, I really don't want to combine the uh, personal Twitter page with the show page, but I, it might so, might be something I, I have to do. It was suggested in the past, and I brushed it off. But uh, the more I think about it, eh, who knows? Same with the Instagram page, at ComplaintsPod. Uh, check that out. I do have a Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a YouTube page that I never use. Uh, and apparently, if I did use and just made a bunch of dumb videos, I could, you know, challenge Conor McGregor to a boxing match. Uh, that would be something, huh? Whew. Wow. I'm talking about boat raced. Yikes. 
Um, I have a website, complaintsandobservations.com, that I have just totally neglected. I'm the fucking worst. Uh, you can send me an email at showmail... What? Showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. And look, I that voicemail shit, please, it works. It works well. 617-65-RIPEM. 617-65-R-I-P-E-M. 617-65-RIPEM. Give me a call. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. It's fun. Why the fuck not? Um, but listen, thanks again for coming. I appreciate it. Please tell your friends. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta.